Welcome to the super special Christmas bonus of Booty and Bossy Eat Drink Knit. Before we start our bonus, we just wanted to say congratulations to Lyndon and Jess, who just announced their engagement right around Thanksgiving. So they get a special. So excellent. Congratulations, Lyndon and Jess. Very happy for you. Last year, you may remember that we had a bonus that was a tutorial on felting your old sweaters into stockings. And you can find that on our website, bootyandbossy.com. And we had a letter that went with the stockings that Bossy wrote. This year, we have another letter that Bossy wrote. Because Bossy's the only one in our family who writes letters. Hey, maybe, Booty, you might uh, write a letter. I might write a letter someday, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be a Christmas miracle, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would definitely be a Christmas miracle. And this letter is the story of how we each came to have a family crush. So take it away, Bossy. This was a letter that I wrote to Booty and her husband, Artur, and it, it, it kind of explains the context. So dear Booty and Artur, Merry First Christmas. You might be wondering why your older sister has sent you a crush on your first Christmas together as a married couple, especially since I have shown no particular religious proclivities in the past. Let me explain. I wanted to do for you what mom and dad did for me on my first Christmas after getting married. They sent us a terracotta crush, and I have always treasured it, mainly because it reminds me of the crush we had growing up. Getting out the crush every year always marked the real beginning of the Christmas season for me as a child, and no matter where we were, Colorado, St. Louis, or Philadelphia, what never changed was the crush that Aunt Betty made for mom and dad. I always thought the figures were beautifully simple and full of grace, made of clay or porcelain that Aunt Betty glazed with a simple brown bisque to highlight the folds in the garments and other features. To me, they captured at once the humility of the moment and its momentousness. I also have fond memories of how each of us would rearrange the figures according to our own interpretation of Christ's birth. I favored what I like to think of as a progressive model with the wise men and the shepherds initially far away from the central scene. Each day that it got closer to Christmas, I would move them slightly closer to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I also liked grouping them, keeping the animals with the shepherds, the wise men together, positioning Mary closest to Jesus with Joseph nearby, but not as close because, well, he didn't really have that much to do with the whole thing anyway. But my careful schema would always be upset by one of my siblings who had a completely different vision or interpretation. I remember that Melissa's was perhaps the most radical and yet completely in keeping with her own worldview. She would carefully place all of the animals closest to the baby Jesus, and all of the humans were banished to the far reaches of the table, scattered in no particular order as far as I could tell. For Melissa, Only the animals could comfort a baby brought into such a harsh world, a world desperately in need of salvation. I suspect she still holds that view today. I'm sure that you and Darren had your own visions too. 
I remember that most days leading up to Christmas, the figures on the creche would be moved multiple times, one person coming in and rearranging, only to have another person rearrange the rearrangement half an hour later. No person's vision was wrong. None of us was there, after all. Each person's vision was just different, unique to him or her. With all of that movement and handling, our creche never collected dust, like the story of the leather-bound Bible that stays supple with the oil from all of the fingers touching it. The creche was the most active space of the Christmas decorations, and perhaps the biggest Christmas miracle of all was that all of the figures remained intact, never chipped or broken. Then again, Aunt Betty made the creche, and she never made anything that wasn't built to withstand the ravages of time. So I set out to find you and Artura creche worthy of those memories. Let me tell you, it was not easy. I had no trouble finding elaborately painted creches with lots of fake gold, but I wanted something like what we had growing up, so those wouldn't do. I also rejected the creche made out of fake marshmallows with each figure standing or placed on what looked like a little graham cracker pedestal. The whole thing seemed to suggest that Jesus would eventually sacrifice himself to become the marshmallow center of a s'more. There was also the five-piece Heart of Christmas Mice Nativity set, quote, with two festive mice dressed up with their cute baby playing baby Jesus, complete with the mouse angel wishing you all the best this holiday season, unquote. So in the quote-unquote Heart of Christmas, there are mice. I don't think even Melissa would have approved of a crash made out of stone resin rodents. There were the minimalist creches, where the figures had no faces, and the creches that look suspiciously like the Fisher-Price little people sets kids play with. There were nesting doll creches, with Jesus fitting inside Mary, who fit inside Joseph, and so on. This seemed wrong for all sorts of reasons. There was a puzzle crush where every piece fit into the frame of the manger, but this meant that everything had to go in exactly the same place each time, which seemed out of keeping with our family tradition of intense sibling rivalry regarding figure placement. There were lots of crushes that seemed to operate on the principle that Jesus would have really liked glitter, and the more glitter, the more holy he would be. I mention all of these only so that you can truly appreciate what you could have gotten instead of the enclosed, which was the most tasteful crush that I could find given my $5 budget. Just kidding, it was more than $5, but it was on sale. I just learned from mom recently that Aunt Betty made our family crush when she was hospitalized and struggling with a deep depression. I know that was a very dark period in her life, and I'd like to think making our crush might have had something to do with her recovery. But I'm glad to know this now because it reminds us that out of darkness can come an unexpected light and after despair can come great joy. That is perhaps the most miraculous part of this story, the essence of grace and all that this season is meant to inspire. Aunt Betty probably had no idea how much that gift meant to us and how many memories it would provide. And it means even more now. So as you embark on this new phase in your life, I hope this crush will have a place in the new memories that you create around the holidays. And I hope that it will carry with it as well the many fond memories we shared growing up. Love, Bossy. That was an excellent letter. 
Thank you. It's a beautiful crush. I love my crush. I have to say, I probably would have really liked the marshmallow crush and <laughs> the mice crush as well. Those sound great. It <laughs> is amazing when you go down the Google rabbit hole of all of the sort of things that you're just like, what were people thinking? Apparently there are people thinking that. And then there were people who were like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I like that little, <laughs> like that one with all the mice. Well, yeah. And if the marshmallow one had glitter, that would really be special too. I'd say. Yeah. The other memory that we were going to talk about was, so the four of us on occasion, special holidays, like <laughs> Christmas, 4th of July, we would put mm. on a show. Yes. This is a pretty brief period because the younger ones, so me and my sister, had to be willing to go along with Bossy being the director of the pageant. <laughs> so one year, it was a Christmas pageant. Mm-hmm. And of course, Bossy was the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Yep. And our brother was Joseph. I think Melissa was an animal. Yeah, Yeah, not a shepherd. Just go straight for the. Yeah, I think she 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 generally liked to pretend that she was animals. So I'm kind of thinking that she was an animal. But Booty was the baby Jesus until she got tired of being the baby Jesus. And then in the middle of our Christmas pageant, she just got up and ran out of the room. And that was I have had enough being baby Jesus (laughs) of being adored. (laughs) Well, yes. I mean, there are not a lot of two-year-olds that like to sit in a cradle, (laughs) cradle, but yes, Yes. Jesus ran away. That was fairly representative of how most of those things went. Yes. I do uh, remember I had one line for the 4th of July pageant. And I, I was Paul Revere because I was the only one that could sit on the sawhorse. <laughs> yeah. And and my line was, the Buddha coming. The Buddha yeah. coming. The Buddha coming. <laughs> you did really great with those. And I remember, too, making you little knickers. Oh, yeah. You're cutting off your garanimals, the bell-bottom pants. Yes. And making little knickers. For yes. you out of your Garanimals outfit. Yeah, you were like Paul Revere in Garanimals knickers. Um, <laughs> yeah, those were so with great. With a lisp. Yeah, yeah, with a lisp. A bit yes. of coming. <laughs> those were those sets that you matched the bottoms to the top. So the giraffe was the yellow print. And you did the match the giraffe top to the giraffe bottom. That was so brilliant. I know. It was, it was totally cute. And I remember how you, you would often have this, the bottom of your little Garanimals shirt as as you grew right. would would not touch the top of your pants. So yes. you, you just kind of have this swath in the middle that was the booty belly. Yes. That's how I entered the room with the booty belly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Still <we> do. Digress. <laughs> So we hope that you make your own traditions, whether that be a pageant or a letter that you write to your siblings. I I do have to say, I've never, I've never regretted anything that I embarked upon as a special 
Christmas thing, whether it was writing or whatever. Sometimes I didn't allow myself enough time. <laughs> I did hear on, I think it was on Facebook or something, this a guy was sharing that in his family, his dad invented this holiday that they called it the Big Sandwich Day. And it was meant to mark between Thanksgiving and Christmas. They would buy a big loaf of bread. They would get all these special cold cuts. And then you'd have your section that you would make whatever you wanted on your sandwich. And then once the whole loaf of bread was made, then they would cut each piece according to what was your part. And then they would decorate the house and stuff and, you know, kind of get ready. So it sort of marked the beginning of getting ready for the Christmas season. And the part that I really love, well, in addition to just making any excuse to make a giant sandwich, <laughs> yeah, mm. get special condiments. He shared that when he was growing up, he just assumed that Big Sandwich Day was like a national holiday and that everybody <laughs> celebrated yeah. it. So he went over to his friends. He was like, are you excited about Big Sandwich Day? And they, <laughs> they him like, what? You know? Yeah. That's what I love about hearing other people's traditions and things is that everybody evolves their own little family traditions. Marking each year with those, I think, is just a beautiful, wonderful thing. I agree. Well, you know, they don't do stockings in France. Do you put out your shoes? Uh, I want to say it's the epiphany. I could be wrong mm. about that. And Gus said, shoes don't hold a whole lot. And it's just like a little bit of chocolate or something like that. Kind of stingy. Mm, stingy. Yeah. yeah little stingy, stingy things. But yeah. yes, we have our all of our stockings up. So we're ready. I love getting out dad's stocking every year. And that's one of the highlights. My son, oh gosh, he was probably seven or eight years old. He... Did I, I always try and get him to draw a Christmas card for us. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But when he was little and I could bend him to my will more mm -hmm. readily and he wasn't <laughs> taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he did this great Christmas card. And I think he he came up with the concept of on the on the outside, it says the ideal Christmas and it has a drawing of us sitting there and the dog is behaving and the the chickens are all on their perches and the <laughs> bees are buzzing around making honey. And then you open it up on the inside and it says the real Christmas and we're frantically getting ready and the dog is chasing the chickens and the bees are all dead. And <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, but I think that it speaks so perfectly to what we're aiming for, this vision of perfection. And we're actually not perfect. And so it's okay. Enjoy the moments that you can enjoy. Well, and it kind of gets back. At, I think when we first conceived of this podcast, what we wanted to do was share what we had learned, but also to to make people feel better about what they attempted craft-wise or cooking-wise. And, and that's really what part of the premise of the podcast was, that we wanted to share what we had learned, but also not sugarcoat it and act like, well, we started off perfect, and then every day we got more perfect. <laughs>
that's not really an interesting story, first of all. But we wanted to make people feel like this is what you do when you're living and trying things out and growing is you fail right. sometimes. And you learn more when you fail. We really wanted to set out with the idea of sharing our failures in all of their and, glory. Well, and one of the best Christmases, or certainly I remember the joy that we all shared when we were opening our homemade Christmas gifts from Grandma Klein with her lace-up slippers, <laughs> hand-knitted lace-up slippers. And we mentioned this last year, but it was so much fun just laughing about these <laughs> really and we all saved them very special oh, no. yeah though um, so we we even as we weren't gonna wear them we loved the idea of them and we loved that she had made them i do have to say i always knew that aunt betty had made that crush mm-hmm. i didn't know that she had made it when she was hospitalized and probably part of the recovery program it's often part of is having patients try and make something that and I think that speaks to the, the power of making that it takes you out of your mindset for a moment and you're focused on this other thing that I know that gardening is often a big part of recovery plans for people who have been injured or mental health issues and things like that. And that's what I think, too, what we wanted to get at was the the value of the homemade and making something and how powerful that is, not just for the person doing the making, but also for the person doing the receiving. Yes. Yeah. I hope that everyone is remembering to be kind to yourself. <laughs> it's okay. And take some time to make some stuff or enjoy what others have made for you. It all comes from the best space or the best place, which is love. So Booty and I wish you all a wonderful holiday season filled with love. And I think it's time to say, whatever you do, don't Don't knit knit like like my my sister. sister. Oh, Oh, that was our worst one yet. Yay! (laughs) Excellent.